Astrophysicists know what they don't know. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for December 19th, 2020. Jason Cousineau, superfan Melissa from Missouri, and Eric Fisk, that's me, discuss the latest space news. More mysterious radio signals from beyond Earth. Organic is literally everywhere in the universe. And a mega superstar simply disappears. And no, we are not talking about Brandon Fraser from the Mummy movies. But first, a weird question about Larry King's marital status and if he is still alive. Also, avoiding the commercialization of the Fedora Chronicles. Stay tuned. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind-the-scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Fedora Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away and we'll pass along a special gift to you as a thank you. Our email address is fedorachronicle at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter at Fedora Chronicle. Once again, here's Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicles. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, I hear static. Not just any kind of static, but Utah static. Yay, Utah! Jay from Utah, you're live and on the air. This is Larry King. All right. Is Larry King still alive? I'm just, I'm looking that up right now. Do I even care? I'm not sure about caring. I mean, he's like, what's his name from the Rolling Stones? Uh, Keith Richards. Keith Richards, exactly. Yeah. He's still alive. Yeah. He's doing those infomercial commercials. I hate those. Shit, he's been married one, two, three, four, five, six. He's been married seven times. Sure, get the get the fuck out. No, seriously, he has. Freedom Probably. Mother, Annette Kay, Aline Akins, Mickey Sutfin, Sharon Lepore, Julia Alexander, and Sean Southwick. No offense, but I'm not I'm not doing this shit. I'm not I'm not doing this shit when it comes to like getting married and getting divorced and getting married and getting divorced. I'm sorry, woman, you're stuck with me. Meaning Carol when she reads this later. So just as a well, it it you, the thing is is you are not infomercial compatible. I don't think. Okay. Uh, so you can't really afford to do that, and that's the, probably the only reason he's hawking all of that schlock. He's got so many alimony payments. Although, to be fair, he may have outlived most of them. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. 
He's actually been married eight times because he married one woman twice. Okay. Which which woman did he marry twice? Aline Atkins. So he divorced Aline Atkins in 63. Oh, I see. Married Mickey Sutfin in 63. Divorced her in 67 and then married Aline Atkins in 67. What the hell? Dude moves quick. What the hell? What the hell? There's got to be some sort of psychosis there causing that shit. All right. I, damn. This I is, do want to say one thing. Yeah. For Eric would be a perfect person for any valid infomercial for a good product. You are, you're not the type of person that could sell schlock. Oh, my God. That's a perfect opening for one of the show topics that I was going to bring up this morning. Um, just as a brief aside, I want to just remind everybody that the Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by Sailor Jerry Eggnog. If you're in a big, huge oh. hurry to get drunk during the Christmas holiday season, just slip in two shots of Sailor Jerry into any glass of eggnog. And I promise you, you will not want to remember what happened the morning after. Sailor Jerry rum and eggnog, a killer combination. Buy yours today. Um, I, I had this conversation with Jay and Carol. And since I had talked to um, Jay, what was it, Tuesday night, Jay? Yeah. All right. There is there is somebody out there, and I had a really pleasant conversation with her. And I'm not ruling out her um, proposal, as it were. And I'm going to speak in, in vague terms because I don't want to soil this deal, if this deal is still on the table. I do have some caveats. Somebody reached out to me and asked if we could partner with them and help make the Fedora Chronicles make a little bit more money than what we're already making now with a couple of Patreon subscribers, people who buy our products on Zazzle. That's zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Um, the goal is eventually to be making just enough money to replace the income that I get at the day job at the factory and do the Fedora Chronicles radio show and do a better job of it, meaning um, make it the full-time job, as it were, and provide our listeners with more than one show a week because we have a small but loyal following. And it's slowly growing. I would like nothing more than be able to do this as a full-time job and actually get paid enough to do it so I can do things that we're already doing, doing better. In the conversation that I had, they would be inserting commercials into the Fedora Chronicles radio show. And these would be commercials for... Um, products and brands and categories that I would approve. I would have to approve it. The only problem that I had is after speaking to a couple of people who are already part of this program, it's not that they give you editorial instructions, but they give you editorial advice. Like if you want to reach more listeners, don't talk about this topic. Talk about that topic. If you want to reach more people 
and get more bigger bang for your commercial buck. Talk about this topic and don't talk about that topic. That for me is a non-starter. The whole point of doing the Fedora Chronicles radio show is that I can talk about topics and do show topics that I want to do. One of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning is we're going to be talking about a controversial topic that involves um, an Epstein who figuratively hung himself. Um, and, we, and, and, the, and the world saw it happen in, in real time, figuratively speaking. Nobody is going to tell us what we can't talk about on the podcast. People can ask us if we can cover this topic, but nobody is going to tell us what we can't talk about on this show. People are not going to dangle a dollar in front of us and say, if you want more of these, don't talk about this topic. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you offer us. That's an aspect of the show you can't, we, you can't buy. I'm, we are going to talk about sensitive topics in the most mature way Jay and I can muster. <laughs> Thank you for setting a low bar. Appreciate that. <laughs> Um, so I have not made a decision on whether or not we're going to go with these people in putting commercials into the Fedora Chronicles radio show. If I don't have final edit, I don't care what it's for. We're not, we're not doing it. Um, but the thing is, is that one of the things that somebody had suggested is starting in 2021, Jay and I are going to be doing. And hopefully, uh, super fan Melissa from Missouri, who is with us today, we are we are going to be doing um, radio shows, small segments, short segments for uh, patrons on Patreon, customers who buy our stuff on Zazzle. If you bought something from Zazzle and you'd like to listen to our specials, just send us proof of purchase, and we will send you the link to. Um, special episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. We're not asking for a lot for our patrons, only a buck, only a dollar. If every, if all of our, if all of our listeners paid a dollar a month, we could do this full, full time. And if you give us $5 a month after six months, you will be able to get things like special coffee mugs and t-shirts and Fedora Chronicles products that are only available to our Patreon listeners so that we can do this full time and give you more than one show or one plus show a week because we're also doing true crime we're doing one-on-one -on -one interviews with authors who write books on the supernatural and shout outs we're also going to do shout outs to um our patrons and also another thing and this kind of sounds like weird that i'm saying this podcasters are now moving to only fans to <laughs> I'm not posing nude on, oh, I'm not going to be doing the live. I'm not going to be doing a live stream nude. Okay. I am Jeez. <laughs> live stream nude. That's what I do every morning with my little shot of crack and rum. I mean, how do you think I get through this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's audio only. How do you, how do you know what I'm wearing right now or not wearing? Well, I'm telling you right now, I ain't got to stitch on. <laughs> okay. It keeps well, the kids I, I, in their bedroom until after I'm done recording. I'm in full 20s gear, so yay me. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be doing some things in 2021. 
Also, we're going to be doing a mini-series with Paige Elmore on the book Chaos and the other threads that Tom O'Neill did not get into in his book, even though he spent 20 years writing it. And we're also, we are also reaching out to Tom O'Neill to see if he can come on the podcast and talk about his book. Um, we're recording the episode on MK Ultra this Sunday night, and it's going to be um, on the Fedora Chronicles network um, shortly thereafter. So um, we, are try- we are trying really hard to find a way to afford to make more episodes for the Fedora Chronicles. Because um, my body is starting to break down working at the factory. And um, I, I have to find, I'm actually, I'm also looking for other opportunities within the company so I can stay in the company and um, be good to them because they've been good to us. But at the same time, find new ways of doing the the the, the podcast more efficiently and more. Um, I don't want to say profitable because that sounds dirty and gross. But we're, we're we're trying to find a way to do the show more often, and be able to afford things like the the house where we do it. Yep. So. Um, and the URLs where we hosted and all that other stuff. All that happy horse stuff. So let's let's also start the show off right and say that we have our returning guest co-host, Superfan Melissa from Missouri. Hello, hello. And it's cold in Missouri. And that's your weather. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys gotten snow? We got two. So feet. I know Eric, you guys got pounded. You got two feet. We got pounded. We got two pounded with two feet, and um, I want to see. Do I? Do I want to? I'm actually like looking in, in in my. I'm going through all of my show notes here. Um, I need to. I need to crank this out here. I need to actually because I have a screen capture of this. This is this is one of those things where it's like when you read this, you're just like all you want to do is just run to the store and get milk, bread, butter maple syrup so you can make french toast as you're getting snowed in yeah now now listen to this winter storm warning until thursday december 17th at 4 p.m heavy snow is expected total snow accumulations are expected to range between 10 to 12 20 inches across southern new hampshire with locally over 36 inches of snow acclimation in the south central areas of the granite state in far southwestern Maine, 8 to 14 inches are expected locally with 20 inches across interior York County. Winds gushing as high as 35 miles per hour will be possible with blowing and drifting snow and sharply reduced visibility expected. This is the part that made me wet my pants. Travel will be dangerous and most likely impossible. Areas of blowing snow could significantly reduce visibility. In all caps, precautionary preparedness actions. If you travel, keep an extra flashlight, food, and water in your vehicle in case of an emergency. It's, it was like it was like that bad. So of course, I'm texting Carol. Says I'm here at work. I don't know what to do. Now if if. It stops snowing at 4.30. What are the chances that the roads are going to be clear by 8 o'clock? Slim and none. Well, 
on the major. Now, hold on, were you? What car were you driving? Were you in the Flex? No, it was in the Honda. Uh, well, still. Yes, and somebody somebody can interject. Absolutely. Okay, I'm from Missouri. This is what you always do when it starts to be the bad weather season, which is 12 months out of the year. Always keep water in your car, flashlight, a scraper, a shovel, a blanket. One of those things that can break the windows out of your car in case you go into a lake. Right. Maybe maybe some food, some granola bars. In your home, you should always have enough food and canned goods to last three weeks. Mm-hmm. We are set for chili all winter long. When it when uh, everybody started freaking out at the beginning of Corona, going to the grocery store, running for toilet paper, I was still stocked from winter. Mm-hmm. So when when uh, October rolls around, that's when I start to buy a little bit of extra canned goods, peanut butter, jelly, toilet paper. Not a lot, because you know you don't want to go out and and strip the store, mm-hmm. but just an extra jar of peanut butter. Yeah, and then you then you're stocked up. Yeah, and a change of clothes. Whenever you go anywhere, especially if you go any distance, have a change of clothes. Keep your meds with you. Yeah, sounds like someone who's been caught unprepared at one point. I've never been unprepared for this. Uh, okay. This is just how we've been. We've been living through too many snowstorms and ice storms in my life. When I was young, I remember snow being piled way over my head when we were driving out in the country roads yeah no i mean i think that it is absolutely totally crazy and ridiculous when i see how unprepared new englanders are and maybe this is just human nature this is not and this is by the way this is not all new englanders this isn't everybody who is from new england this is just certain people who should know better you should yeah, have. If you've you sh- lived in New England more than five years. You should know better. You should know that you should have a go bag in the trunk of your car with a pair of winter boots, change of clothes, and some provisions. You should just know. Um, like perfect example. Jason's go bag has um a spare saxophone, a couple of bottles of rum, a couple whoa, of changes whoa, 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 of clothes. Whoa. What do you mean spare? I only got the one right now. But you can help listeners with art by joining Patreon. <laughs> help Jay out. Help 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 those podcasters in need who only have one a bottle. A single saxophone. A single Oh, saxophone. I've got I got three bottles of Kraken in the in the trunk. I mean, I'm there. Also, with your cars? Yes. Make sure your gas never goes below half a tank. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, there's a multiple reasons for that. First of all, the emergency thing, and second of all, that is good for your car to keep it running in good condition. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. When the aliens land, you do not want to be in line trying to get gas in your car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and knowing the way 2020 has been going. You you know that that's the season finale for this year, right? <laughs> I I am waiting. I am waiting. I'm trying to decide: do I really want to be trying to 
run or do I just want to be under the beam and get it over with? <laughs> I don't know. I think you're going pretty far by assuming they're not here yet. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the thing is, is that we were at the cafeteria and we were talking about how crazy the whole thing about, and we're not, this is not a show topic. I'm just going to warn people right now. This is not a show topic. We're talking about how crazy uh, Congress and the Senate have have been during the past couple of months with COVID relief and the lack of action. And what the fuck is wrong with uh, Mitch McConnell? And I, I said, well, you you know he's a reptilian, right? You 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 know he's a, he's a reptile man from Proxima Centauri, right? I mean, you can see it in the facial expression. And I mocked his facial expression. I said, look, looks just like a turtle. I had the entire cafeteria or break room in laughs and giggles when I was doing my Mitch McConnell. You know, bring me the flesh of a small child. Bring me the flesh of a small child. I'm about to lay an egg. Bring me the flesh of a small child. You make him sound like that alien from the beginning of Solo, hands, the, hand, the Star Wars Han Solo movie. <laughs> the giant slug that was, he took the rock and was like, I have a thermal detonator. No, you don't. You have a rock in your hand. <laughs> That's what I'm imagining with that voice. Could, could, you, just, could you just imagine Mitch McConnell in his senatorial chambers? Bring me Solo and the Wookiee. <laughs> See, now in my mind, he's like, I see a picture of, of Mitch McConnell and he's morphing into that thing. <laughs> if you've ever... It's it, time to admit. <laughs> he, you know who he really reminds me of? And, 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 and this is deep, deep, deep meta science fiction classic reference here. The BBC in the 80s did a, a miniseries on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And he reminds me of the Vorlons, um, uh, especially the, the Vorlon reading the really bad poetry to Arthur Dent and Ford Prefect. Oh. And it's like, how do you like my poem? That's Mitch McConnell. So I'm kind of a little too obscure for me. Yeah. Yeah, I knew. I, 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 and, and the thing is, is that. I, I, yeah. I've listened to the radio program. It was. It's hysterical. Yeah. It, it is hysterical. So anyway, so now, now that we've put some people to sleep with my Mitch McConnell impression, uh, let me think here. Do we want to just jump right into space news, or as I like to call it, space news? Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's do some let's do some let's do some fun fun space news. As I jump here, now there is two stories. That sort of like dovetail well together. And this is from Live Science, one of my favorite um, science websites. And if they would like to be a sponsor of ours, we'd really appreciate it. Planet Nine Cousin Found by Stephanie Pappas. And this was published four days ago. We're recording on December 18th, 2020. An enormous exoplanet found circling a double star. 336 light years away may provide clues to the mystery 
to a, a mystery closer to home. In the far reaches of the solar system beyond <clears throat> Neptune exists a cluster of icy celestial objects known as extreme trans-Neptunian objects that move in unexpected ways. Some astronomers think that these objects are responding to the gravitational pull of a yet unobserved planet known as Planet Nine, which orbits very, very, very far away. Others think the weird objects are responding to the cumulative pull of other small objects, not one large planet. The new discovery of an exoplanet named HD 106906b could help explain how a planet could get kicked out of the far reaches of the solar system without being ejected altogether, according to research from the Hubble telescope. Now, one of the things that we are discovering in looking for life out in, in our own galaxy is that some of the early models of solar system formation might be wrong. And there's a lot of things that just don't seem to make a lot of sense. Like, what's key... What's keeping certain planets from being formed in other parts of the solar system? How come the rocky planets are formed closer to um, our sun, while the gaseous giants are, were, are formed out beyond the asteroid belt? But as we're looking at other planets and how they are formed around other stars, it, the paradigm is backwards. How is it that there are gas giants that are formed much closer to the to their host star or their mother star and others not what's what there's there's a strange dichotomy or paradigm going on in, in in the realm of solar system formation throughout the galaxy that we can tell so far and also um quote planet nine as it were is allegedly also the the, the home of the anunnaki and we need a a, a bell to ring on this um the 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 thing about Planet Nine and the orbit of Planet Nine is very controversial because we haven't found it yet. People who say that it exists are somehow mocked and ridiculed by certain people within the astronomy um, uh, community, as it were. Now, simply because we haven't discovered it yet, but we have all this evidence there, it, it, it has... there. Planet Nine, as it were. It used to be known as Planet Ten, just to let you know, until Pluto was demoted. Um, uh, yeah. It's if you, I'm not a, I'm not a professional astronomer. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a mathematician. Um, but from everything that I've read, the math makes sense. There is something out there that it, it is large and it is huge. And they found, quote, mathematical proof that it exists, but the actual evidence is very contentious. But because we are able to find other planets that behave the same way as a, quote, planet nine does around other solar systems, it's sort of like, it's sort of proof positive that if it happened there, it probably is happening here too. Does any of that make sense? Well, yeah, as, as, as much as I could follow it on my Kraken. Um, 
I find these things, these discoveries within within our solar system to be fascinating because, you know, growing up, we were basically presented information and the way in which we were presented it is, this is how it is and this is, you know, they never really said it, but it was presented as if it was the sum total of knowledge to be had on the particular topic, right? So, like, planet 10 slash 9, 10 ninths of a planet, right. something like that. Anyway, I, I didn't do well in math. Being something that exists and having been theorized for so long is somewhat amusing to me because of that. You know, I mean, science supposedly is all about finding out more and more and more. So when we see things like this, there's that part of me that, you know, I keep referring to religion, to science as a religion. And this is more proof for me that it is. But at the same time, dude, there's a 10th fucking planet. <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense. Well, given, given the empirical evidence we have, you know, it does make sense. Although, didn't you say in the beginning there that some scientists believe it's not one planet, no, right. but it's a, it's a number of smaller objects? Sure, that's a theory. Right. Now, this is where the sci-fi fan in me comes around. Isn't it possible that there's a bunch of particles like asteroids or something orbiting a central asteroid? Because if it's that far out, the pull of the sun isn't as strong, the gravity of the sun isn't as strong as like, say it is at Jupiter, right? And this thing's way the hell out there. So it's probably less than half the pull that Jupiter experiences. So it is possible that a large enough asteroid has other asteroids in its orbit. And we're interpreting that as being a possibly a gas giant, not like rocky, a bunch of asteroids orbiting each other, orbiting the sun. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, you're making perfect sense. I mean, th because there's two other news stories that also dovetail into this. Okay. So the other news item that I have, and this is published literally this morning here. Scientists think that they have detected radio emissions from an alien world. Um, and don't get too excited here. Um, this is published 35 minutes before we started recording on, again... December 18th, 2020. Scientists may have detected radio emissions from a planet orbiting a star beyond our sun in, for the first time. Astronomers believe the new research used a radio telescope in the Netherlands to study three different stars that, to host exoplanets. Their research compared what they saw to observations of Jupiter, diluted it as if it had been sent from a star system dozens of light years away. And one star system stood out. Tau's Boats, I think is how you pronounce that, which contains at least one exoplanet. If the detection holds up, it could open the door to better understanding the magnetic fields of exoplanets and therefore the exoplanets themselves, the research hopes. So, yeah. so the, 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 the thing is, this is from Cornell, uh, Cornell University, and um, it, this, makes, this makes the case that this is a new field of science that's opening up, that now that we can listen to the radio emissions from gas giants like Jupiter that are orbiting around other planets, we'll be able to find other exoplanets 
far easier and then be able to look at that direction with the next generation of space telescopes to see what's out there. And that's something that I find really cool as well is that the technology for being able to examine extrasolar objects pushes us further and further and further away. Yeah. Right? I'm still and looking I'm still waiting for for planet B. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the way we're doing stuff here, I think we need to look for planet B cuz we need an escape hatch. Of course, it's still not going to be all of us. No, well, it's no. No. No, it's just going to be the super rich and the super talented um who are going to be able to leave. Like, I think Elon Musk and all of his friends are going to be able to go to um, Earth 2, as it were. Um, no, I, th I think that the, that's one of the reasons why there is a big, huge rush to find another Earth-like planet because of what we're doing here. Um, and uh, Right, and then you get into the whole philosophical complication of do we have a right to go fuck up another planet because we just fucked up our own. Right. And, the, and, and that brings us back to the earlier episode that we did about the efficacy of space exploration and exploitation. Do we actually have the right to do this? Should, should we do this? Is this a responsible thing for us to do? Should we be moving industry and mining out into the solar system? It's, it's, a, it's fraught with a lot of dangers and, it's, and uh, the efficacy of it. Um, you could look at it both ways. But also, also, I do want to jump in here again. If there are aliens, why aren't they preventing us from doing that and totally screwing up another planet? Who says they wouldn't do that if we actually started to go out into um, out into other solar systems? Who's to say that there isn't some trans um, cellular um, EPA that says, no, you guys, we will allow you guys to go out and explore the, the, the galaxy as soon as you clean up your own mess. Um, who knows? Who knows what, what's, what's out there? And also the topic that we talked about last week, Jay, talking about how this, uh, the um, former Israeli space minister or space minister had said that there is a galactic federation that is waiting for us to mature um, so we can join them. So... I think that uh, I think that the chances of that, if you if you're following politics here on the United States and elsewhere in the world, the chances of that is happening is never <laughs> right. I mean, it goes back to the old saw: we need to have some sort of invasion from uh, a someone we hate more in yeah. order for us to get our shit together and find a way of find, of making peace. Yeah. Um. So the so. Another thing, and I'm telling you, this was a huge week for space news. Um, a couple of days ago, this was a news story that had been published on uh, December 15th. Scientists left speechless after opening asteroid samples. In February, um, Japan's, I'm not even going to pronounce this, um, Space Probe pulled off an incredible feat. The small spacecraft managed to collect surface dust from an asteroid several million miles away from Earth. Earlier this month, the spacecraft dropped off a special package in South Australia, a tiny capsule with traces of the asteroid's dust inside. 
Scientists from Japan's space agency opened the container on Tuesday and were left impressed with the contents. When we actually opened it, I was speechless, one of the scientists said, as quoted by The Guardian. It was more than we expected, and there was so much more that I was truly impressed. The quality of the sampling was outstanding. It wasn't fine particles like powder, but there was plenty of samples that measured several millimeters across. The sample could often have implications for search into the origins of life. Most exciting, the scientists found that the samples seemingly to contain plenty of organic matter. Yeah. So I hope that we can find out many things about how organic substances have developed on the planet beyond beyond the parent body of Ryugu, I think is the name of the asteroid that they landed on. Half the samples collected by the spacecraft will go to NASA and other international organizations. So um, there is an That's over... That's cool as hell. There is so an... I, I'm yep. just wondering, is that is that the, the sign that the that the Humboldt squid have been waiting for, and now they're going to unleash their mothership and impose their will upon the rest of us? I don't know, Jay. But the thing is, is that what they had said is that this asteroid had an overabundance of organic material. Now, when you think of organic, let's not think about Whole Foods and all of the healthy (laughs) stuff that they have, because the word organic has been bastardized. When you mean organic, we're talking about carbon-based life or life that is based. You're organic. Um, Everything that grows, there's um, anything that any life that's based off of carbon is considered organic. My dog sleeping under my desk, he's organic. The fish in my tank is organic. The green algae that's growing on the sides of the tank is organic. When we use organic to describe food that's sold at the store, that means that has not been used with unnatural um, p- pesticides or or whatever. Um, the implications, right? But organic, the, what it boils down to is like the question of the origin of organic life, like yes. especially on Earth, right? Because I remember, you know, being in junior high or high school, whenever the fuck it was. And that being the question of, like, remember the organic soup? There was this vat of, or just this this swamp almost that had no life. It was just water and a bunch of inorganic material. Then it was struck by lightning, and poof, we have life. Right. Right? Which makes no sense whatsoever. But that's how they, they taught it to us. You know, sometimes I wonder how it is we actually thrive in this world any anyway the the point is is that at one point inorganic material became organic now is it because of some sort of asteroid strike like this yeah did something like ragu ryugu or however you pronounce it did that strike the earth and that was the real origin of organic life and then we evolved independently of how say that organic material that base organic material may have evolved on some other planet right right no that's 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 not an unfair question is that are asteroids and comets that have an overabundance of organic life the is that the catalyst for life here on earth 
And where where did that organic material come from? And one of the things that I think is amazing is that the organic life on this asteroid may have come from the remnants of another planet that existed billions of years before the formation of our solar system that had an overabundance of life. Like, we may be... Planet Earth and all the life here on Earth and all the other planets in our solar system and the sun itself may be the remnants of an earlier solar system that was destroyed in a cataclysm like a supernova or something. So, or the other theory is, Jay, is that organic life occurs naturally throughout the cosmos. And if there was an overabundance of organic material just floating out in space everywhere, the chances of there being life, advanced civilizations like our own, just had the odds improve a hundred or a thousand times fold. Life in life in the universe is far more likely now since we have discovered that these asteroids have an overabundance of organic material on them. Right. Now, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is an asteroid from the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, correct? I'm trying to figure, I'm, I am trying to figure that out. I think it's just one of the other, wouldn't it help if we actually had a tool where we can actually look look this stuff up? You know, it would be nice. Wouldn't it, Someone needs to get on inventing one of those. Somebody things. needs to invent an internet. By the way, Melissa, what do you think about all of this? I'm just worried about cracking open these rocks and letting all this organic material loose. I mean, our existence started with the planet being hit by these rocks containing organic matter. What is to say that these rocks that are now hitting the Earth with organic matter aren't going to restart some other new life form? That's not unfair to ask. Or what if it's just got a space flu on it? Like the end. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way. Like when they opened Tutankhamun's tomb. Yeah. By the way, this is is a near-Earth object, and it is a potentially hazard asteroid. Um, so it, it is, it's, it's in the neighborhood. It's not, it's not one of our, our minor moons, but it's pretty close. Okay. So, so it, so if somehow it gets pulled towards us and it hits the earth, it could cause massive devastation. And what, what could happen to the organic material that it's carrying? What would happen if that organic material was unleashed here on Earth? Now, I'm not saying that there are microbes in it that's alive. There's a difference between I'm not I'm not even sure if I'm able to um, explain this to the folks. It's organic material. It has the building blocks of life. I'm not sure if it's actually life itself and not just the building blocks. That is not in evidence yet. We have microscopic life forms on Earth that they know can survive in a vacuum. Yes. So even if it's not necessarily like moving around alive, it could be inert and just waiting for the right conditions to wake it up, like, say, a nice warm environment in a lab, 
for example. Or water. Or water. Yeah. It's it, it is it's it's scary and it's terrifying. It is, but it's also exciting. It's amazing how often those two traits coincide. It's you know, there's there's a lot of potential knowledge to be gained yes. from examining this material. And let's for a moment take just take a brief second to acknowledge the technical achievement. They launched something into space, landed it on a another you know another extraplanetary body right and had it come back to earth to return those samples and and landed safely in southern australia so they can retrieve it and check out those samples we can we we can fucking mind-boggling also i just want to just really kind of quickly go over this one story here. This is also from Live Science. A monster star two million times brighter than the sun disappeared without a trace. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, this one this one fascinates me. Because it didn't turn into a black hole. That we know of. That we know of. It also did not go supernova. Because of, of the two black holes harder to to see than a um, than a supernova. A supernova we would have seen. Mm-hmm. So it just near as we can tell right now, just blinked out of existence. Right. Just like I oh, here I am, I'm a giant ball of gaseous fire burning billions and billions of miles. No, I'm gone. Um, so I want to read this part here. Normally, when a star much larger than our sun reaches the end of its life, it erupts an enormous supernova explosion. These explosions are easy to spot as they strain the sky around them with ionized gas and powerful radiation for many light years in every direction. Following the blast, the dense core of the leftover stellar material may collapse into a black hole or a neutron star two of the space's most massive and mysterious objects. The missing LBV, meaning the star that we're talking about here, left no such radiation. It simply disappeared. Which means there's obviously a third state that can happen. (laughs) That's it. It just simply disappeared. Melissa? Actually, what happened was they, the, the life forms out there finished their Dyson sphere surrounding it. Is <laughs> Melissa, what do you think? Actually, I'm at a loss. Uh, not a black hole, just disappeared. Does it prove that there's life out there and they screwed up? Maybe it's proof of uh, a higher being that decided they screwed up. Oof. I, I I think it's fascinating, and I think we need to do more research on this, saying we like it's the three of us. <laughs> now, like we have the tools. Right. Now, here you go. Now, for all of our Patreon uh, subscribers, if you just contribute just a little more, if we can get more of you to join up. Um, we could actually do more research <laughs> into this. <laughs> you know, Melissa gets her lab. Exactly. <laughs> Melissa, get, not only did she get her lab, but she gets her space telescope. Um, 
No, the the idea that it was just like our understanding of science means, you know, now let me rephrase that. Let me retract that and rephrase this. Our understanding of astrophysics is not adequate enough to explain what happened to the star. Period. End of story here. Now, are we going to read more news about this in the future saying, are they going to say, oh, it's back. It just up and it, it just came back. Because if you remember earlier this year, we were talking about the star Betelgeuse and how it was dimming. And you could actually go out and you could look into the constellation of Orion and you could look at Betelgeuse and you can say, you know, you're right. It is a lot dimmer. And there was rumors that um, people were worried within the astronomical community that it was going to go supernova. Now, what would happen to us if Betelgeuse went supernova and if the um, and the chances of this happening is very, very small and minute. But what if the poles were pointed directly in our direction? And the gamma ray burst that would have occurred during a supernova of a star that size. What would the what would the gamma ray burst from that supernova do to us? In Planet Hulk. <laughs> Are you saying we'd all turn into mutants? Now, if we all turn into mutants all at once, would anybody notice? <laughs> You know, that is a damn good question. I mean, if, if, first of all, we know that our poles have swapped, right? Our magnetic north and south poles have, have swapped several times in the history of the world. And we're able to learn this. We also know that it's been an inordinately long period of time between pole swaps. And right? the poles are not stationary as it is. They wander. Right, exactly. They stay somewhat in the same area, but they're not in the exact same point all the time. So what happens if we had like the trifecta, the ultimate trifecta, Betelgeuse or some other reasonably close star goes supernova, sending out this burst of gamma radiation streaming towards the Earth. By the time it gets here, our poles are in the middle of swapping which means that our electromagnetic field surrounding the Earth, which protects us from a lot of radiation, is in a weakened state, while at the same time our own sun throws out a solar flare, perhaps as a reaction to the oncoming waves of gamma radiation that are going to be bombarding it, right? Yeah. What would happen then? Because solar flares interfere with our with a bunch of stuff on the Earth right, right. now. It, causes fluctuations in our electromagnetic uh, barrier around the Earth. It interferes with wireless communications. Cell phones sometimes are affected by it. So if all of that were to happen all at once, what would happen to us? Car engines going out, electricity going out. Well, yeah, but would that be the sum total of it, or is or are things like that extinction level events? It could be an extinction extinction level event. It absolutely could. Right, and is it even possible that something like that would cause other natural catastrophes to happen, like say massive earthquakes or the rupturing yeah. of the the supervolcano underneath Yellowstone? Yeah, absolutely. Have we 
have we had any indication that maybe such a situation has happened before? I mean, we've had extinction events throughout the history of the planet. We had, weren't there, but other beings were, like the dinosaurs. Right. As, as far as I know, we have we do have evidence of like major solar activity that we've been able to track that happened hundreds of thousands of years in the past. We have had, we do have, as previously mentioned, evidence of the polar, um, the polarity of our poles switching at various times in the in the past. I'm not aware of us having any evidence of any co-occurrences between those two things. In mm -hmm. other words, from what I understand, we have not had a solar flare at the same time the poles switched. We've never seen that. And I'm not aware of any... I'm pretty sure we have evidence of massive bombardments of radiation from something happening outside of our solar system, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I seem to recall reading it, but I also seem to recall not feeling all that confident in the source. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I can't say 100% for sure that no, we've never seen it, but I can't say 100% that we have either. It's, it's it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of what if and a lot of things that would have to happen. Things would have to line up in just the right way for something like that to happen. Um, would it ever happen in the well, the chances of it happening um, increase as time progresses someday within the next couple of billion years, there may be a star that goes supernova. The pole is pointing in just the right direction and it could be like aimed right at us and there's no defense for it. There's no defense for a gamma ray burst of that magnitude. Could it happen in our lifetime? It could happen tomorrow or it could happen never and we wouldn't even know about it until after we're dead. You know? um, right. But getting back to this, uh, this star that just up and disappeared. It's funny how we get so sidetracked. It's, just, it's, it's, it's amazing here. <laughs> Um, yeah, Melissa, you're supposed to be keeping us on track. What the hell? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to fact check using sketchy websites. Oh, oh. <laughs> all right. Carry on. Good enough. <laughs> I have people saying that it has flipped into another dimension and they're wondering where the heck that star came from as it burned them away. That's weird. I would I would like to see if somebody could actually do the math behind that and sort of prove that the star just slipped into another dimension or an alternate universe. And and what would happen to the people who are there in that alternate universe where the star just simply showed up? That's a couple it's what what is it? It's 2.5 million times brighter than the sun. It, I mean, Jesus what would you do if that it, it's just you look up at the sky and all of a sudden zzz, you know? <laughs> you're just looking at the wrong place in the wrong time in the night and it's like this 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 bright object 20 um 2.5 million times brighter than the sun just disappeared appeared like that anyway i mean the thing the, the i'm hoping for superpowers like supergirl <laughs> Yes, yes, I can support this. All right. I, I, I'll join you in that hope. But that I look fantastic in a cape. 
I bet <laughs> Jay does not look great in a skirt. Don't ask me how I know. I do not. All right. I do not. Hey, hey, it got us out of that situation, so it was well worth it. I, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have been in that Turkish prison in the first place. <sighs> the food was not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash fedorachronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.